Are you a fan of vampires? Then check out Vlada a Dracula Tale on Facebook and on Twitter for more information about an exciting new graphic novel coming soon from me and artist Ken Hunt. We take the entire story of Dracula and we gender swap the cast. This is not your traditional graphic novel. It's very akin to the Bernie Wrightson Frankenstein that you may have seen or read about. Amazing black and white illustrations and covers by Ken Hunt, as well as by Tim Vigil, Kara Nicole, and many others contributing to this amazing project. Keep an eye on the Vlada A Dracula Tale Facebook and Twitter for more information about the exciting Kickstarter coming late October. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Goth Girl Horror, the official Hack Slash podcast. I am your host, Dr. Chris, and joining me for this episode, we might have a special guest calling in soon, so we're recording this right now before they have a chance to call in, but joining me possibly for the foreseeable future and upcoming issues of Hack Slash as we end our Devil's Due Press coverage and then go on to the Image series, we have with us... Tracy Lux. Who I found on Twitter. And Instagram with some Cassie pictures, which are pretty awesome. And I was just like, oh, well, this girl seems to know what she's talking about. And threw a bunch of knowledge at her, and she came back with that knowledge as well. So that was also very, very helpful. And she can talk, too. It's always helpful to have somebody to talk to on a podcast. Because if you can't have someone to talk to on a podcast, the podcast just kind of goes. There's no point. <laughs> no, there's no point. And that is no slouch to anybody who can't do a podcast because they can't talk or have a conversation. Totally fine. It happens. I completely understand. It is sometimes very hard to carry a conversation about a comic book besides just like a one-word answer, which is, again, you know, whatever. That's on you, and that's fine. Just don't attempt to do a podcast if you can't actually go for, you know, you can't have a conversation. It's, I'm in a podcast group, and a lot of people have bring this up constantly. They say, I have a co-host who can't talk, or I can't find a co-host who can talk, or I don't know how to talk, then don't do a podcast, because you're just going to sound like a fucking idiot trying to talk when you can't. And when you sound forced, you, you can just tell. Right. It just sounds really bad. Your audience is going to hear it. There are times I'm searching for words. I make mistakes. I fuck up a lot, too, people. I don't do this, like the most professional way possible sometimes, but I do my best and at least have a passion for what I'm talking about, even if I'm running out of things to say. So, um, and yeah. I like the realism of it anyways. So, I mean, I would rather have it like this. This feels real. It feels like an actual conversation that anybody could be like, hey, let's talk about this comic and let's just enjoy it. And it also helps... If uh, you have uh, decent equipment, sometimes you don't always, but try to you know improvise with what you got. Don't do yeah. it on your cell phone. That can sometimes really mess it up. And make sure your internet connection is working because sometimes internet can really <laughs> screw you up, especially if you're not in the same room together. You should not be in the same room together with somebody doing a podcast right now unless you are living together or they have a proven COVID test with them, wearing a mask, 
whatever you're going to do, however you want to basically keep yourself safe or whatever. I'm not going to tell you how to keep yourself safe. Just use common sense when doing a podcast with somebody in the same room it, currently right now as of September 13th, 2020, while we were still in the pandemic. So if you're listening to this two years in the future and we've kicked the ass of all the diseases, great. But... <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that is not that time now. No. So uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself that you're willing to share. Well, like I said before, I am Tracy Lux. I am a cosplayer and a very newbie cosplayer. I literally, actually, like we've said before, because of COVID, kind of just came to my senses and decided, you know what, I want to do lewd cosplays. I've always been attracted to it, so fuck it just gonna do it and gonna be me and enjoy it and I made the right decision by I'm like what should be my first cosplay and it's like I love Cassie Hack I love Hack Slash and everything about it so Cassie was my first and it got your guys's attention and now I'm here and you always remember your first slasher you do kind of like remembering your first time at the comic book store or your first time making out with somebody in a graveyard. <laughs> I can't think of any other first times I want to cover on this podcast. But, uh, again, we might have a special guest call in, but we're going to go on with the podcast like we normally do. And my lovely assistant has the uh, plot synopsis for us for issue God. 28. Yes, I do. And I will be smart and pull it up here. Do you also All have right. the publication date? Yes, I do. Awesome. So, cool. I have the Hack Slash issue 28, which is Something's Fishy, and it was written by Tim Seeley, art by Dan Parent and Daniel Leister, inks by Sean K. Dove, colors by Mark Englert, letters by Crank, edits by James Lauder. The original issue published, it was December 2nd of 2009, and released by Devil's Due. And the issue starts off with Tabber watching Trish and Angela as they strip off their clothes, and they are getting ready to skinny dip at the lake in Haverhill. However, Tabber is caught by Gorilla, peeping on the girls. Gorilla then carries him out to the girls, where they all reveal to Tabber that Haverhill, or Haverhill has been changing because of Mary, and they want him to join them. Then Trish reveals that her front torso has turned into gills, and Tabber is horrified. Next scene shows Cassie and Vlad driving while listening to the radio. And Tabber comes on and is in a panic about fish people taking over the town. Naturally, Cassie and Vlad go to help him out, and they show up just in time to save him from a mob of fish people. When Cassie goes to shoot one of them, Tabber stops her and explains that these are the people of the town, but they've been changed so they make a strategic retreat through the town. They go to Tabber's hiding place at the Honor House novelty shop where they find Lunk already hiding out there. However, he points a gun at them and tells them to leave. Unfortunately for Lunk, the fish people followed Cassie and the gang to the shop. They are attacked where Lunk shoots Gorilla and then Pinky rips, rips Lunk's eyeball out. While running away from the shop, Cassie gets grabbed and pulled away from Vlad and Tabber. Come to discover her kidnapper is Lincoln, who died in issue 26, Double Date, brought back to life as a Frankenstein-like creature. He was created by Mary Shelley Lovecraft, a being from the realm of idea space. She kills off Lincoln again because he is an inferior lover, 
and decides she wants Cassie as a mate instead. Cassie and Mary fight it out, where Mary reveals her plan to destroy physical space and replace it with the superior realm, in her words, of idea space. When Cassie is captured by her, Tabber shows up and threatens to shoot himself to save the town. He knows that the town needs him, and if he's out of the picture, then Mary would go away. But his plan is backfired when Mary grabs his gun away, with a tentacle from between her legs, mind you, <laughs> and taunts him. And this gives Vlad the opportunity to sneak up behind her and chop off her tentacle arms. Cassie then bashes Mary's head in, and she begins to break apart and melt into the floor. Issue 28 closes off by revealing that Haverhill has changed forever, that it lost its innocence. Tabber would be going to college, but he knew that the town didn't need him anymore. This comic book, like almost every issue, has two covers, one by Tim Seeley and Dominic Marco, who I'm not familiar with, and one completely by Dan Parent, with a sidebar kind of similar to old uh, Golden Age comics that have Vlad, Poochie, Clunk, or Lunk, uh, Trish, and Lincoln. And then Cassie uh, and, I'm assuming, Trish, but I'm not entirely sure, the blonde in the beginning. Um, I, yeah, I, Trish. I'm thinking that's Angela. Oh, okay. That might be Angela. Looking over Chris in the water with a bunch of uh, toady-looking creatures from the Black Lagoon. And, of course, with that perfect one-liner from Cassie again, Tabber, you're covered in semen. Ha, <laughs> ha. I think that was, uh, do you have issue six with you as well that happens to have her saying yes. something like that about beating off somebody? In fact, I think. And by beating off, we mean jerking off people. This is an adult <laughs> podcast. Just letting you know right now. <laughs> Just so you know. Just so you know, none of the podcasts are appropriate for children. I did love the letter we got years ago, me and Mel Heflin for Supernatural Creatures and Lore, saying, I listened to your podcast with my 12-year-old daughter, and I didn't expect it to be so vulgar and adult. <laughs> what you were talking about regarding women in the asylum was disgusting, and I'm never going to listen to your podcast again, and I left you a one-star rating because I didn't think what you were talking about was appropriate. And what we were talking about was that a lot of times in the asylum, they would use some things that you would find in a sex shop today – to help women with their psychosis back in the day. Nowadays, a lot of the stuff that they would use, again, you'd find in your local sex store. <laughs> so apparently that's offensive nowadays. Uh, so. Well, I wasn't expecting a woman to listen to it with her 12-year-old daughter. So. Well, that's true, too. It's like it's on her because she should have screened it before she We did it. mark it with an E, so iTunes actually... We are doing exactly what iTunes asks us to do. They don't censor any content. They do not believe in the censorship. They only ask if you are going to talk about, you know, if you're going to have cussing and swearing or talk about sexually explicit material to market appropriately, and they don't care. That is 100% true. I mean, that's always something that I've thought of, too, that it's it really should be the parent that's screening it beforehand, and I, she was going to be offended no matter what, even if her daughter was there or not, so... And just taking a quick break before we get into the the meat of the episode about issue 28. On the show with us now, we've uh, he was finally able to connect with us, is the artist for the issue as well as issue 6. And a comic book that I'm not too familiar with, but I've seen multiple times and I'd love to know more about, Die Kitty Die. We have artist Dan Parent on the show with us. Thank you for coming on the show with us, Dan. Oh, thanks for having me. Dan, What? Um, how did you get involved with uh, Hack Slash? Uh, well, I... Um, no Tim Seeley, 
we just we'd met at a couple shows before, and I know he was an Archie fan, and he was sort of like, and I was a fan of Hack Flash, which helped. Um, and then he said um, at one of the shows we were at, he was like, you know, I would love to just find find a way to um, sort of get you involved in one of our stories. Like we might do like a flashback or do some sort of Riverdale scene storyline. And if you want to do the art, um, you know, we'd like to have you. And I was like, yeah, sure. So the first issue I had work in was, um, yeah, the one where they, uh, it was like, you know, part of the story was incorporated with my style. Yeah, and then and then 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 fortunately enough, later on, I was able to um, get involved again and do the whole issue. So that was fun. That's right, because issue six was like part you and part somebody else, right? Right. Yeah, I think I had done. I'm not. I don't have it right in front of me, but I think I did like six pages or something, something like that. The 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 the, the second issue or the later issue was the one I did the whole um, issue on and the cover and everything. And that was fun. And you just reread issue six for the show recently, didn't you? Issue six? Uh, oh yeah, I reread both six and twenty-eight actually. So yeah, those were those are so much fun. Uh, I can't believe it was like ten years ago already. It's like it's nuts. Oh my god, yeah, both issues were a little while ago. I mean, twenty-eight and six are a few a couple of years apart, but yeah, uh, two thousand nine, two thousand and eight or seven. Yeah, I, I can't believe that. It's nuts. What is die kitty die? Die Kitty Die is a series that um, I work on. Um, uh, created it with another, my, our, one of my Archie cohorts, uh, Fernando Ruiz, and um, it's a series. Uh, we, we it's, it's a series we started in 2015. We started it through Kickstarter, um, and it just uh, we were lucky that it was very successful in our Kickstarter. And um, yeah, it's just our own thing. It's sort of like. Um, it's sort of in the Archie vein. The, you know, the art is still sort of in the Archie style, but of course, that's what I do, so it looks like it's in that style. Um, but basically, the character of Kitty is a, uh, in the story, in the series, Kitty is a witch, and in the, she's also a comic book character in the series. So our, our storyline sort of takes place in the um, semi-real world. So um, she's also a comic book star, and also in the, in the storyline, her comic book sales are falling flat because like you know the way the comic industry goes uh ah. so they're like you know they don't know what to do with kitty um so her boss comes up with this great idea to kill her off because that's always a way to boost sales is by killing off your character um but in the series the characters are some are also exist amongst the real characters so you know killing her is a little bit of a chore um and it, it seems that she's a witch that makes it even harder so basically in the realm of Kitty Comics, there's a whole other like comic book universe of characters and books and storylines. So the evil boss kind of goes through the catalog of their other characters that they've used over the years in their in their um, in their universe and tries to recruit them to kill Kitty. So they're kind of recruiting her or her other characters that have been she's been published with, some of which are her friends and some are not. Um, so yeah, it becomes kind of a race to kill her, and that's how the the first series uh, sort of uh, takes off is the kind of like the race to kill Kitty. Um, then we did a few more series since then. We've done uh, we're out on our fourth one now. So the second series uh, was this Die Kitty Die Hollywood was the whole um, storyline is about them making a movie out of Kitty's comic book series. That was kind of going to be one of my questions was, what is your future plans for Die, Kitty, Die? 
Well, um, we just did a Kickstarter this year um, for the fourth series um, called Die Kitty Die Starstruck, which is a series where she actually goes into outer space. <laughs> of course, classic of course. horror right there. Yeah, of course, of course. And um, so that's, the, that's actually the one we're currently working on um, right now. Um, and we're doing this, the, the individual issues, and then we'll be sending the, the uh, hardcover off to the printer um, in a few weeks. And that'll, that'll come out this fall or late fall. Um, but yeah, that, that's where we're at now. We're on our fourth series. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a sort of a cliffhanger, of course, because we always try to end with sort of a cliffhanger. I mean, and, you got to. You got to keep everybody interested and link true. them in for the next one. Good. And that's, we'll hopefully do uh, another another series next year. We've done, we skipped 2008, 2019, but we've done one each year. Um, and yeah, we'll hopefully do another one next year. Uh, Kickstarter seems to be the uh, a really work, be a good model for us. Uh, we, because you know, Kickstarter is great because you get to control everything. Um, you also get to do all the work. <laughs> Tell me about yeah. it. Hard part. <laughs> I have a uh, Kickstarter launching late October. Oh yeah, yeah. People, people seem to forget about that part of it. There's the, you know, they think it's kind of glamorous, and it's, it is. No. <laughs> I am already stressing out. I think I got sick a couple weeks ago because I was so stressed out about it. I don't think I had COVID. I don't think I had the flu, but I think I got sick due to stress. Yeah, well, it's it's understandable because again, it's with the with the um the, with the excitement of being able to you know have your own project and fund it. There's the also the other end of doing all the work. <laughs> well, I got a marketing team that's going to help me for the Kickstarter. I told them afterwards, I'm like, listen, I, I know how to mail something, and I know how to send people emails to be like, hey, you, you want your item? I need your address. So mm -hmm. that, I mean, someone told me that, that part's not that stressful because, I mean, you just... It's, it's, a, it's a learning curve. I mean, you just learn as you go along. And, uh, like, the first one, I was really, it was really rough. I didn't know what I was doing that much. But I had friends who had done them, so I just kind of glommed off of them for information. Right. You so know, Die, Kitty, Die, the one thing that I took away from it, when I got the, I think it's a free, I think the free comic book day might have been the first time I really acknowledged it existing, being like, what the hell is this or whatever. It's, it's like Archie. But with like a woman with giant breasts and demons and ghosts and goblins, what the well, hell? A lot, of, <laughs> a lot of the um, we we do take a lot of um, homage to a lot of old comics. Like, I I loved Harvey comics growing up. Yes. Asper and hot stuff. So we've like characters that you'll see. They, you know, we they sort of um, have a little bit of resemblance to some of the old Harvey characters and. Some old superhero stuffs in there too. Just basically stuff that we just liked growing up. You know, like some Saturday morning cartoons that we liked. We put like little like characters that look like them in there. And um, you know, when you're creating your own uh, comic book universe, which you're, you know, in the in the storyline, the company is Kitty Comics, and she's like the star of the whole series. We can just kind of just create the universe as we go along. In issue two, six and twenty eight, you have this um, like micro dotted feeling to the coloring of the book um of the art what what is that called I, I, when they colored it i didn't do the coloring on it um it was it's like a, like a um yeah it's, it's a dot pattern that we also use in die kitty die when we do retro stories in die kitty die we do these pretend retro stories right right um, or oh, they do it in we, they do it in the art that, books too yeah we use that dot pitch that dot pattern i don't know what it is i know our colorist glenn whitmore has like a filter and he just um puts the, the dot the dot pattern on a layer and it gives it that old comic book look. 
Yeah, that's a fun effect. Definitely makes it unique and stands out. Yeah. Yeah. As anybody who collects you know comics knows, you know, you go back to like the seventies and eighties and you look and you can see those little dots. Well that even became an art movement on top of just with the comics too. Yeah. I was actually gonna ask like, you know, between unfortunately with COVID and all that happening, what were all your original plans before <laughs> all this happened and like conventions got cancelled and yeah. I mean, all of us had so many plans. Oh, what, yeah. Well, what? I had about 20 conventions lined up for this year. <laughs> I, uh, I did three. I was able to do um, uh, C2E2 was the last one. And I was able to do Alaska, and I went to India in uh, January. And that was it. That was it. I had a whole year planned. Obviously, as I, I, I'm not the only, everyone had plans. and So it just sort of became, you know... Um, and then, of course, the comic book publishing kind of hit a halt there in, uh, for a couple months because Diamond closed and a lot of comic shops were closed. With the exception of independent comic books, they seem to have been thriving. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, um, and it was we, that's when also when I was definitely uh, – the Kickstarter, I was going to do it later this year, but when COVID hit, we did our Kickstarter a little early. Uh-huh. Um, we did it in March, from March to April which I wasn't sure how that was going to be because I'm like, you know, well, here we are in a pandemic and the economy is in, is in the toilet. Do we do this? But then I was like, well, I'm home and you need a lot of time to put into the Kickstarter. So I might as well just try it now and see what happens. Unfortunately, we had the best Kickstarter ever. And honestly, I think that probably would have been the best time for you to do that because from March until especially like the beginning of June, people were just spending money like crazy. Yeah, it's true. Well, we had a lot of new customers too, but a lot of people, I noticed a lot of people um, had the time to sort of like, you know, because they were home, really check out the um, the Kickstarter and um, really, you know, um, like whenever I was going to be on there, I would always notice there was a lot of instant response and lots of instant questions because people were home. Um, and I actually had um, people that had done Kickstarters this summer, I know they weren't White is good. I think I think we picked a really good time because at that point, every you know everybody was really stuck at home during those that that time, um, and people really didn't know you know like what was happening because again the comics were canceled, comics were basically comic shops were canceled, uh, Diamond wasn't distributing, so we we kind of had a little bit of a captive audience. Um, so I think in the end it did help. I definitely definitely believe it, but yeah, yeah. I I did want to veer a question back to the hack slash and everything. My next question was going to be, what first got your interest in hack slash? Because you had said that you were a fan of the comics to begin with before mm-hmm. you had done your issues. Yeah, um, I don't know. I just just I just like the art style um, and the um, you know, I, and I, I had I met Tim and I knew some of his work. Um, so it just yeah it just caught my eye. I, I was I was buying the issues right around the time that um, and Tim asked me if I wanted to do something on it. And uh, then I started then then um, down the road a little bit after that I got the uh, the collections the Hack Flash uh, collections that came out. The omnibuses yeah those are awesome. Yep, that's yeah, what I have too. So yeah, they're really nice. They're really nice packages. And um, you know I just love it. And I'm and I'm I'm just still waiting for a Hack Flash movie. Uh, well, uh, yep. <laughs> we're we're going to talk about that with Tim coming up uh, because he's not under any NDA to keep his mouth shut, like unlike um, some people, unfortunately. So 
So he's like, I never signed an NDA, so I'm allowed to talk about whatever I want. Plus, I own the character. So, again, I can talk about whatever I want. I was like, great. Then why don't you come on and finally tell us what the hell is going on? Because I don't want to read an article. I want you to tell me, like, blow by blow, project by project, you know, we'll condense it as much as we can. What happened to this, pro- you know, this many times? What is going mm-hmm. on? Why is it we keep, why is it I can go to Redbox? Well, I wouldn't touch a Redbox these days, but you know what I mean. Redbox, Netflix, um, Octane Pictures is a company that sends me about 30 press releases a month for new horror movies, and not one of them is hack slash the movie. And I'm like, how are these movies getting made that are either subpar to mediocre to garbage? But yeah. hack slash is a is a goth chick and a monster dude who hunt down slashers. Make up the slasher, use one from the comic book, hire an actress to be a goth chick, hire a giant dude to play Vlad, which shouldn't be hard, yeah. and just have him tear through the country hunting down a slasher. I mean... I mean, or at least, you know, you know, make it a Netflix movie or series. I mean, yeah. how cheap could that be to make? No, it would be perfect for Netflix. You don't perfect. need to hire a big-name actors either. I mean, you can hire, like, up-and-comers, you know what I mean? I know you want star power Hollywood, but whatever. And you'd also have, like, the LGBT community, like, you know, going out of their minds and being like, woohoo, our representation is here in the horror community because <laughs> we had Cassie, bisexual, you know? It's just, just, ugh. Yeah, like, it, like, it, it hits so many different genres, it would be perfect, and, uh, you know, even like on a you know like a channel like Stars or Epics. I mean, there's so many. There's 12 I, million. 12 I totally million understand people. Tim not wanting to run a Kickstarter to fund it himself because it would just be exhausting for a movie. Mm-hmm. Which, but I guarantee that if the right person came along to be like, listen, I don't have the money to make this, but by God, I have the passion to make this. Mm-hmm. Let's do a Kickstarter. You know what I mean? And I'll oh, run yeah. it. We'll get the fans involved. We'll fund it, and we'll put it out there. You know, obviously you need to cast the movie first. You always have to cast your movie first. So get that going. Cut a little teaser. And I know it's a little harder to do that right now with COVID-19, but I I think that's the way he's going to have to do it or whatever. But it's going to be the right filmmaker that's actually going to get it done. But the money's going to come from the fans. If your fans want the movie, you got to fund the movie. And that's what, like, Rob Zombie and, and Kevin Smith did with their last couple films. Yeah. You then, want uh, you want the Devil's Rejects Part 3? You want Jay and Silent Bob to return? Well, put your money where your mouth is, because otherwise nobody, nobody's going to give us that money, or they, they want some seed money put in place first before they give us, you know, $50,000 or whatever it is. Well, they're like Mystery Science Theater, 3000 Right. That. Well, I mean, that unfortunately goes back to a lot what Adam Green has said, if you know who Adam Green is. Just because you've been funded on Kickstarter a couple times doesn't mean it's going to happen again. And Netflix canceled MST3K after two seasons. But they had a big launch on Kickstarter. I forgot what it was, but they they definitely did a few million dollars. Yeah, they were they had the largest Kickstarter for a project or TV show. I think it mm-hmm. beat Veronica Mars because yeah, Veronica, Veronica Mars was Mars the biggest was one. Another one. Well, and I'm, then I'm, Hulu picked them up. So who? Wait, I'm sorry. Say that again. Um, yeah, you had Veronica Mars. They had their Kickstarter for their movie, but then after their movie, Hulu actually picked them up and did another season. You're correct. You're 100% correct. Oh, you did? I, I didn't even know that. MST3K, honestly, I, I know people love Joel and Mike or whatever, but I thought Jonah Ray, and I and I love the fact that MST3K was finally given, like, you know, some production money and value, and it really, like, you know, it made that show pop in the coloring when it was the yeah. host segments, and, you know, you got two amazing actors. I don't know who Jonah Ray was before that, but you have two amazing, well-known actors in Felicia Day and Patton Oswalt. Mm-hmm. So that right there... Yeah. Drew in a lot of people, 
you know, and it was clever. It was funny. The bots had new voices, which were great, you know, just, but you're right. It's, I mean, I don't know. I, I have a lot. Of, I, I always said if I became a millionaire overnight, I would fund uh, my own film and I'd fund a fan film, you know, based on somebody's thing, but it wouldn't be a fan film. I'd go to that person and be like, listen, I just want a lottery and I want to do something with it. And I want to buy the rights to make this an official film based on your thing. Cause I'm such a big fan. Yeah. You know, as long as the rights aren't tied up with somebody else. When that's the thing, maybe Hackslash rights are now tied up. Unfortunately, Tim can't do anything. Is there any um, pu- thing being published right now with Hackslash? No. The 15th anniversary one shot in December was the hiatus for the character temporarily. And Tim okay. is currently doing his, uh, what's the book, Charcy? Money Shot. Money Shot in Space, the porno comic, sci-fi comic. And okay. he's the managing editor of Heavy Metal. So he said Tax Slash is coming back. It's probably not coming back this year because we haven't seen anything anou- announced about it. But uh, probably next year. That'd be awesome. Yeah, because he left a uh, cliffhanger open with Mary Shelley of Lovecraft returning. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Yeah, that was. Um, when did it? How many issues did um, did Image publish? Uh, a number of issues. I mean, they're still publishing it because the 15th anniversary special was published through Image. In fact, th- I think that was the first time we actually saw Image characters. Uh, on a connection to Hackslash because she's on the cover with uh, Spawn and Savage Dragon and um, a couple other image characters. Uh, I think Witchblade. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I forget who else. But Spawn and Savage Dragon were on the cover. Oh, I'll have to check that out. So maybe she's going to enter the image universe finally, which would be kind mm-hmm. of interesting. So yeah. I know a lot of people keep asking him to do the crossover you know, every five minutes or whatever, but he doesn't want to always do the crossover because he did one with Vampirella, the Chaos characters, right. And, right. Uh, and the Crow with IDW. So mm-hmm. he and I, I brought up to him, like, you know, Pumpkinhead would be perfect, but, you know, everybody wants Freddie and Jason. That's just – people don't understand how politics work with film rights <laughs> yeah. characters, especially with Freddie and Jason right now. Jason's involved in a terrible lawsuit that's never-ending, and Freddie is now owned by the West Craven family, and they have not shown a single sign of wanting to do anything with it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was wondering about those characters. Yeah, West Craven's family now owns the Friday the 13th franchise – sorry, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. They do not own the movie rights. The rights to the movies are still owned under Warner Brothers, but the rights to the character – and the name is now owned by Wes Craven's uh, family. Oh, uh, okay. Because Warner Brothers was like, take it. The 30 years are up. We don't, we just, we, we're stupid. We don't understand how money works. We don't understand how to make a movie with a guy who lives in dreams with our billion-dollar corporation. Only yeah. cost Wes Craven $350,000 to make the first one, but we, we can't figure out how to make this film work. Let's just not do anything with it. Let's not <laughs> license it out for, like, you know, comic books and other things. Yeah, right. Uh, it just boggles my mind. And it, you yeah, can't tell me there's a lot of politics involved with the character that you own the rights to, Lock, Stock, and Bagel. <laughs> it's not like Jason, which is in hell right now, and no pun intended. He's literally in hell because Daddy and Daddy can't agree who's going to have rights to Jason on the weekend. That's like a money printing machine. <laughs> uh, it just boggles my mind. All that aside, um, <laughs> Dan, your artwork in the both issues absolutely stands out and is really funny to see. I love the smacking effects. Every time somebody takes a hit, I love, um, I know that this is written by uh, Tim and I don't know how much influence you have on the story as the artist with his scripts, but the uh, line that is the best line ever. Do you want to say it again? Uh, Let me get to the right page. I should have just had it open because I should just know. (laughs) Charcy said it the best. Uh, Let me go, you calamari cunt. (laughs) 
just say that every time I come encounter like a fish person or something. Which <laughs> means I should write it down. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. oh, sorry, Dan, but my question was like, how much did you have to do with the story? Um, not much, really. But 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 Tim's scripts are pretty open, so like he's pretty open to like you know how you draw it and how you lay it out. Like you you kind of you know gives the artist a lot of um, freedom because he's an artist too, so he understands. A lot of times when you are, are working on a script and it's you know you're, you're working with somebody who's also an artist, um, it's 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 a lot easier to work with them. So no, it was fun. It was like a you know I had free reign pretty much. Awesome. That's good to hear. It's good to hear that Tim's such a great person to work with. I've never heard a bad thing said about him, and a lot of people are just like, God, I'd love to work with him again. You know, and that's I, that's I, always I, great I, to hear. I've never I've never heard a bad thing about him either. And every, you know, he's always um really everybody I know that knows him. I love working with him. So. That's awesome to hear. It makes me Good proud time. to do this podcast, let me tell you. <laughs> um, and I've met Tim several times, and I met his brother, too, who's worked on Hackslash, so that's mm-hmm. always great. And it's opened the world up to me to meet other fans, such as my co-host right here, uh, yep. to you know learn. You know, There's other people who love Hackslash. And, and, yeah, I mean, me, you, the three of us know everything about this comic inside and out. You know, But, like, the person who just walked down the street, the guy who was on the radio before me, Unless there is a movie or a cartoon, it, it's just it's always going to be this little niche thing. And maybe sometimes that's okay. I mean, look at Tara Witch of the Black Rose. Look at Lady Death. I mean, granted, yeah. she's had an animated movie, but yeah, I, yeah. I can throw a rock and nobody's seen that animated movie. Judge Dredd, mm. only people know the movie. <laughs> you know, Tank Girl, barely anybody knows about that movie. But right. you know, uh, it's it's. Uh, I would love to see Hackslash get the justice it deserves. I'd love it to see become the lock and key, the boys. I mean, good God, you look at the boys. You know, yeah, <laughs> how crazy that show is. Yeah. Man, yeah. somebody like Prime. That, and I, I want that style now for Cassie and Vlad so bad. <laughs> right, but I want it to stay true to the comic. Even the boys, oh, I've read the comic and seen the show, and I'm like, they deviate more than I want them to. Very true. <laughs> Very, very true. I mean, they, 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 they get, like, Homelander right. You know, Billy Butcher is pretty much the same. But some other mm-hmm. things just uh, drive me nuts. But I, I, I totally get you got to make some alterations, and it's called an adaptation for a reason. Oh. Avengers Infinity War and Endgame wasn't exactly like what happened in Infinity Gauntlet or the Infinity War in the comics, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's all about casting. You know, it's all about whoever they can find, whatever actress they can find to play Cassie. Well, that's what's going to make it or break it. Right, definitely, definitely. Who would you like to see play Kitty? Well, Kitty is, um, her image is based on an actress um, from, if you watched Mad Men. Oh, really? Tina Hendricks? Yeah. I was just about to say, I, I think I know which character you're talking about. Holy yeah, cow, yeah. Our inspiration, because we were like, we wanted like a you know a, the character to have a look a distinct look and, and um, Fernando and I love Mad Men and we're like hey you know, Christina Hendricks has, just has like a, a classic look to her um, so that we just sort of uh, loosely based it on her. I kind of have the same attitude with uh, my upcoming Kickstarter. My version of this classic character doesn't have a look based on someone because we just couldn't nail that down but there's a lot of attributes based on uh, my love for like Julie Carmen in Fright Night Part 2 who played the vampire regime mm-hmm. and yeah. um, that you know she's been like honored to hear that you know or Juliet Landau who I've become uh, 
you know, associated with who played Drusilla. I've said that, you know, she's going to have this, like, attitude, like Drusilla, where everything is dry and just terrifying about her. And Juliet was very honored to hear that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's going to be on my other podcast coming up soon, which is awesome because I, I just I, – I've been in love with her for years, and her and her husband and I have been talking about coming, having her back on the show, so – but there's cool. never been one person my character is based on, but just like a couple different people that I definitely have to be like, this is you in comic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always good to sort of uh, if you can uh, draw on a you know characteristics of people that you like like or actors or actresses. You know, you can just borrow you can borrow from three or four different characters. Um, but uh, but yeah, that was sort of the look that we went for because you just thought she had this iconic look and. Um, just had sort of like a classic figure, the hourglass figure, and um, we wanted her to be very voluptuous, but not not tacky either. You know, we, you know, there was like, and she had like, I don't know, just sort of, just sort of had a look though. So, so that's who we're based it on. Cool, Charcy, did you have any other questions for Dan before we let him go? I was gonna say, I'm like, you answered pretty well, like all of my questions I had. Well, Dan, thank you so much. Why don't you give away the social media where people can find you and where people can uh, pick up the upcoming three-book volume set that you talked about. Yes, uh, you can find me at danparent.com. And on, on Instagram and on Twitter, I'm on, my handle is at parentdaniel. And you can just, uh, you can just check out my, my uh, Facebook or my, um, my website, and uh, you can see that, we, that the first three issues of Die, Kitty, Die, the hardcovers, um, are available, and um, we actually have a, a, a special slipcase we've designed for the first three issues, so we're selling the three issues of the trilogy. And the fourth series, which we're working on right now, will be out um, later this fall. Awesome, Dan. Thank you so much for coming on the show with us. Hey, thanks for having me. And we'd like to thank Dan for coming on the show with us, so hopefully you heard his interview at the beginning of the issue. We're going to go right back into our plot synopsis for the issue here now on Goth Girl Horror. As we were saying, Chris is watching, uh, Tabor, sorry, Tabor is watching uh, the girl's uh, skinny dip. And this kind of reminds me of an episode of Grimm where um, some girls were skinny dipping and they were apparently all like fish people and they accidentally killed their boyfriend. Well, you know, accidents happen. Apparently so. Uh, the gills on the redhead remind me of the Deep, the character from The Boys. Oh gosh, yeah. Ugh, that's creepy. I'm sorry. I just I could not be with somebody with gills. Ugh. Call me a speciesist. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, we all know what happens to him in The Boys too. So. Uh... <laughs> Nothing good. I do love the little footnote here. It says, see Hackslash issue number six at Omnibus number two, which you actually just reread for our interview with Dan. I did. I did. And if you um, love the one or two pages of artwork by um, uh, Daniel Leister, uh, that is going to be artist for most of the image run. In fact, Daniel is going to come on the show, too. Hopefully we won't have as many problems. I was going to say, I got to meet Daniel Eister in uh, person, and he's a really great guy. So 
Yeah, and he definitely is a good guy. He asked if he's allowed to talk about his other currently projects or whatever because he wants to promote them. And I said, yeah, of course. Uh, the only time I don't want people to come on the show is if they just want to come on the show to talk about their projects and they don't know anything about Hackslash, which in the early then days of this podcast, yeah. it was constantly being emailed and constantly being added by people, being added to tweets about something that they're working on. And I asked them, do you know anything about this podcast? No, I've never listened. Okay, have you ever read Hackslash? No. Okay, then why? I'm like, oh, well, I thought you covered horror. I'm like, if you bothered to actually check out the fucking podcast... <laughs> before you fucking added me to a tweet that I have to block now because I'm tired of getting responses for, I might actually be able to have interest in your piece of shit project. FYI, listen to the fucking show before you add them to find out that it's something we want to cover. This happens with the Hammer Show. It's just like, well, can I come on the Hammer Show? Why? You have nothing that I talk about on the show. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, that would be irritating. Ugh, unbelievable. Anyway, so the entire town gets turned into these like fish like creatures, some of which I can't even identify. Like the uh the 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 the, the old the grand the, I think it's his grandmother or his mother is got like claw hands and a mermaid tail and then the busty blonde has like tentacle legs. And I think that's Pinky. That's I Pinky. Think I think that's Pinky, because so, she hits on Vlad again later. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That reminds me of the Dagon princess from the movie Dagon, which um, that actress I found out is still working. She actually is the voiceover for one of the new birds in Angry Birds 2 that came out last year. Okay. So 20 that... years later, I saw photos of her. She still looks amazing. Must be that Brazilian blood in her, because I think they shot it in Brazil or Spain, and she looks phenomenal she's just there's beautiful. something about brazilian women they age well they age like fine wine like seriously like marina baccarin from deadpool and gotham oh yeah like holy shit right she, I, you look at pictures are from 20 years ago and it's like did you age <laughs> and everybody needs to go check out michael rosenbaum aka former lex luther and the flash from smallville and justice league the animated series uh his podcast inside of you he gets inside marina backer and talks a little bit about her uh her life her career where she's going and some of her values and views on uh on uh marriage and men and women which uh she has to say that you know i have to preempt myself right here i'm a feminist and i believe in women's um uh women's equality however i also believe in like uh, a man and a woman do not necessarily have to be equal. Should I get paid the same amount as my husband? Absolutely. And she's talking about her husband who played Jim Gordon on Gotham. I was, I would be curious to hear that. But yeah. yeah. And I was like, wow, I totally believe in all this. But she even says that I guarantee people are going to hate what I'm about to say. But she's just like, I totally believe I should get paid as much as you know whoever my co-star is. I shouldn't get paid any less because I'm a woman. But I'm also like. You know, not into she wants necessarily to be treated like a woman. She, she wants doesn't to be tre- want to be treated necessarily like a man. She right. Kind of. Yeah. She wants to be treated like a woman. She loves the fact that her husband holds the door open for her. She will tell her husband to put his wallet away when they when they go out to dinner. So I can completely agree with that, and it, and it makes sense to me because it's like I feel the same way too. It's like equality in the workplace. Yes. Do I want to be treated like a woman? Yes. I. I mean, yeah, there might be some women out there that want to be treated like a man, but not everyone feels that way, so... No, and that doesn't make you a bad person because you believe no. in the sanctity of, like, a man and a woman's, rela- you know, place in a relationship. 
I think people misconstrued it sometimes to believe something else, like you're subservient to a man or whatever, which yeah. she is not saying. I, I just I recommend everyone listen to that episode. Also, just listen to his podcast in general because, wow, never made me love Michael Rosenbaum more than I already did from movies like you know Urban Legend or <laughs> you know again Lex Luthor on Smallville and his best role ever in my opinion is still playing the Flash on the Justice League cartoons. I, I can agree to that. Yeah. I can definitely agree to that. So they run into town after Cassie blows the brains out of the uh, one of the monsters in a very glorious Archie-style fashion, with even an eyeball flying out after the glasses, which is hilarious. Which I'm trying to remember if that was the neighbor or not. I mean, it's hard to tell. <laughs> it is a little hard to tell. Um, I do love the fact that she, uh, she relates this to a town that even Aquaman wouldn't love. Mm-hmm. And, and then here comes Pinky, all over Vlad. <laughs> I totally think you could, oh yeah, like especially the tentacle right up between his legs, and he's like, oh, gotcha. yeah, just a second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, Vlad is a man too, and you touch a man in a certain way, it's going to... Um... <laughs> and if we go back to issue six, when poor Vlad finally got the sex and he was all into it so now we're back here again with miss pinky uh i totally think you could pull off that outfit that cassie's wearing i think that's pretty awesome with the collar and the cut off uh uh, cut off uh, sleeves yeah with the pink and the purple oh yeah that's awesome i love that look i've seen women with that look like a collar like that you know what i mean even if it's not buttoned it's not really provocative either it's buttoned a normal v-neck for a women's outfit that's a totally appropriate you know Outfit. I don't know about in the workplace because some reason bare arms in the workplace means something. Don't ask me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's offensive to some people apparently. <laughs> well, guess what? That would be my uniform. If I had to have like you know like a, a business restaurant or something, I'd be like, okay, this is the outfit for women. It's the outfit for men. You don't have to wear it, by the way, but it's just the offering of it. I just want to point that out there too. I would always offer the, at least a couple different outfits. And I, by the way. Anyone's listening? If I ever open up my own restaurant in like the future when the pandemic is over, because <laughs> not right now, yeah. your outfit, women, will have pockets just all over it. You'll look like a 90s X-Force character. <laughs> What's the biggest complaint women have about their clothes? No pockets. Yeah. I'm just going to make women just covered in pockets and be like, look, there you go. <laughs> As long as it's not the dreaded shirt pocket. Oh, God. I love the guy who busts in with the tentacle chin, and he's got, like, the x-ray glasses. That is hilarious. Mm-hmm. The 3D glasses, excuse me. I, I think that was supposed to be Gorilla, but we all know Gorilla doesn't last long, so. And that horrifying girl, Pinky, with the tongue that looks like the alien xenomorph tongue grabbing the oh eye. Oh, I'm going to have nightmares. And it's like, where did that come from? You go from one end of the spectrum, and all of a sudden it, it looks like a bird like seriously <laughs> and not even fucking joking the first time I saw Dagon back in 2013 at the Necronomicon uh, film festival Necronomicon is a HP Lovecraft celebration which thank god they didn't have to have it this year if they have it every other year so they had it last year they're going to have it next year hopefully we're in a better place next year it's all I over the town so. of Providence it's all over the town of Providence and I got to sit there and watch this movie for the first time in my entire life with Stuart Gordon and his wife who had just come on the show nice and we are hats off to Stuart Gordon, who unfortunately passed away this year. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, and then Lincoln Todd returns, who's a character from issue six. You just read issue six. Tell us about Lincoln Todd. 
Blake and Todd was the one that, because it was a double date and that he was jealous of his buddy Tabber because he had two dates to the dance, but he had none. And in fact, he hit on Cassie and he had told Lunk, look, I'm going to get this girl. And of course, Cassie didn't want to go with this jackass named Lincoln. So she went with Lunk instead. Well, Lincoln also was the one that got tricked by the nephew of Wrath. It's Wrath, yeah. And he ends up, like, later on, after drugging everyone in the party, which, you know, that's not really acceptable, but he ends up in a shower scene, which I'm trying to remember if it was Trish or Angela he ended up in the shower with, and he ends up getting killed because he was a sinner in Wrath's... Uh, terms and i'm pretty sure he got a cross to the face so and he's about to rape cassie too it seems which he says you put that thing anywhere near me and you'll get it back in worse shape than the rest of you <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> i love that <laughs> oh yeah that's yeah, not okay <laughs> he, goes, he goes back to his ways where he thinks he's gonna hit on cassie and well we know he just gets ripped apart by mary so <laughs> I love what Kathy calls her. Oh, let me go, you calamari cunt. <laughs> that is hilarious. And Cassie's expression is drawn by Dan. Oh, what, we, we really, we, we give Dan all the accolades in the interview, so we haven't really gone over his art too much in the, in the, in the actual book, whatever, because we, we, we wax poetically about how great he draws these Archie-style characters. Uh, but that, that's just fantastic, Cassie's expressions. And uh, Mary's white, pasty face, which is kind of weird considering on the front cover, she's got like a green, tan skin look to her, but that's the way Tim draws her. Um, it, it, it's she very funny. She ends up with that look when later on, but yeah, she's definitely pale and white right here. And she tries to seduce Cassie with the two things that she loves the most, but not Vlad, because it's definitely established that Mary Shelley has um, psychic abilities, so she could probably feel her feelings towards Vlad with Cassie are not the same as Vlad's towards Cassie, and it's something that is a constant problem in their relationship right now. Because of the way Vlad feels about Cassie, it's become more than just a brother-sister. It's become like lovers. And Cassie does not feel the same way. And that is a problem. And if you've ever had a problem with a friend that you don't feel the same way they do about you, you need to talk about it and not let it just fester. And if you can't be friends anymore after that, that might be for the best. But hopefully maybe you can become friends again. And that you have to give it time. But yeah, unfortunately I have been in situations like that. But it it is, because with Cassie and Vlad, it it was that sister-brother kind of relationship. And at some point, Vlad kind of clicks over, and he loves her. And, of course, she loves him, but like you said, not in the same way, just as friends type of way. Right, and I have had that before. Um, And it it broke me for a long time, and I made a lot of dumb mistakes after that relationship broke, you know, ended or whatever. I dated too soon, and I think a lot of the relationships I was in were was just sex, you know what I mean? And I felt pretty bad about it afterwards because I was just like, every time I was with somebody, I was like, well, she's not her. Yeah, I I could see that being Vlad though too, because I mean, he kind of gets himself in those scenarios as well through the issues and that. So, 
But the strongest person in the whole comic is, of course, um, Tabor, who's going to kill himself to end the whole thing because he knows that, you know, breaking the third wall, fourth wall, that this whole story is surrounded, uh, centered around him. And, it's about him. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if he kills himself, it's over. It ends. The town's, like, magic, it's Pleasantville-ness or whatever, is gone. And he will do what he needs to to stop it from happening. And, of course, you know, Mary calls him on it. It doesn't really call his bluff as much as just, like, tentacle... Vagina? <laughs> Vagina tentacle, like, strikes out and just snatches the weapon from him? Yeah. <laughs> and that is exactly where it's coming from. It is coming it's from clearly, her, you know. Clearly. Yeah, it's like a hentai cartoon, except for without it raping him. I, but, I mean, on the next page, you can clearly see, like, as soon as Vlad chops off her tentacle arms, that, that one clearly is holding Tabber. And that is between her legs. <laughs> and she dies. And what character in fiction? And I'm just—that's the only hint I'm going to give you. What character? In, what characters in fiction does that remind you of? You cut off their limbs, they die. Oh, when you cut off their limbs, they die. Oh, I thought you were going to say like the art style, like how she was melting away. Nope. It totally makes me think of Indiana Jones. But no, when you cut off their limbs. Oh God. I. Dead, I'm actually not sure. Dead Space, the video games. You cut off the limbs of the necromorphs, they oh, die. Oh, my God. And I see, I wasn't even thinking video games. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Those things are creepy. Ugh. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wish EA would just get their act together and give the license to somebody to develop a fourth game, for God's sakes. Oh. Everyone wants another Dead Space game. And they left us with the third one being, and I was going to say, just kind of like fell off like compared to the first two very true and plus the animated movies the books the comics i mean just everything or whatever leading up to the third game was amazing when the third game came out we all hated it um i remember taking two days off from work when the second one came out i remember i couldn't play the first one unless it was on sunday it was bright and sunny outside the birds were chirping because i was that afraid to play it at night because <laughs> you figured that everybody would be online at the same time and you wouldn't even be able to play <laughs> Uh, well, no, the first one... that creepy for you? <laughs> online, wait, online, what do you mean? Oh, like people to talk to? Yeah, I, I didn't do a lot of the Xbox chat stuff when the first one came out, back in 2008, 9. I, I could see it being more along the factor of, you know, I don't want to play this at night, because it's going to freak me the fuck out. Because, yeah, it could get psychedelic at times, too. And I propose this question to you. Why do you think people are so interested in this type of material when it comes to anime, let's just say? Like, what just happened in the comic book? What, what is it that, what is it, in your opinion, that makes people interested in that type of anime? In, in the whole idea of tentacle porn with hentai and that kind of stuff? Uh-huh. Oh, God. That, that's a question where it's like, is that the whole octopus fetish, or is it... And, and it is. It's literally everywhere. I don't think there's a single... It, it's even creeping into the regular animes, too, that the tentacle, quote-unquote, porn is kind of just a thing. It's just... I don't know. I honestly, like, if I try to think about it, it's like, what is the fetish about tentacle porn? Because... You can have multiple things filling every orifice known on this poor woman that she can be enfolded and wrapped around and that she's held hostage. Or willingly, sometimes there is actually, yeah, there is a lot of uh, romantic. That is true. There is, not as much, not, okay, I'm going to let everyone know, there is as much, I am aware, but don't forget there are drawings, they are paid actors. 
They are contracted actors. They are actors who work in, you're going to be shocked to learn, a lot of children's anime as well. Um, and it is a very open-minded industry. So it's kind of like the adult film industry in a way. Um, nobody okay. is... Especially in Japan. They're way more open with things over there. And people forget that... I, I'm trying to think. I think it's like 13 or 14 is when they are have permission to have sex. Yeah, that's the so, whole yeah, thing. That's, it's a no-no for me, but it's like... It's it's a different culture. It's not our culture, so it's like we got to keep that in mind. That just because we see things a different way, like let's look at France, they are very open with their sexuality. Where we look at it as it's offensive, and it's like the French look at us like just sh- dude, shut the fuck up, it's boobs. <laughs> and the story hap- ends happily ever after with uh, you know kind of things fading back into a more normal, like, uh, drawing, because, like, in the next page, in the actual floppies, it's the coming of Leicester. 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 If I'm mispronouncing his name, correct me. I I believe it's, uh, Okay. Gotcha. And then the ads in the issue are for Spartacus Blood and Sand, uh, which I recently had on my show, the second actor to play Spartacus from the TV show, Liam McIntyre. The Clockwork Girl, which looks like a cute little comic about a robot girl with a wind-up in the back of her head. Kind of odd. Um, Barack the Barbarian, which was a hilarious comic book uh, that had Barack Obama as a barbarian Conan character and Sarah Palin like a uh, like a Red Sonia. Oh, God, I totally forgot about those. <laughs> um, the season three of Jericho in comic book format, which uh, was pretty cool if you ever watched the show Jericho. And then a bunch of ads for Hackslash uh, artwork and omnibuses, which Tim Seeley just posted on his Twitter that uh, he has restocked his store with omnibuses for Hackslash, and you can go there also to pick up a uh, print of Hackslash or the print of the Porno in Space comic book. I keep forgetting the name of. Uh, Money Shot. Yes, Money Shot. So it's a picture of Cassie naked or of the lead scientist from Money Shot drawing on a chalkboard in her underwear. Both very sexy. Yep, and in the back of the issue, we have first appearance of the Hackslash universe by Nightmare and Sleepy, rebooting the classic Clue comic characters from the 21st century, which will begin the ending of the Devil's Do Press Hackslash comics as we launch into the Image series. And we get a ton of stuff coming up for that because there's a bunch of stuff leading into the Image comic series. And then uh, Image Comics had, like, miniseries as well as, like, crossovers as well as one-shots as well as the ongoing all happening at the same time. I remember, like, weeks upon weeks just getting multiple issues of Hackslash. I didn't know I ordered. And, uh, and you're like, ooh, piece of candy. <laughs> uh, basically, it was exhausting trying to keep up with all that all the Hackslash stuff that was coming out at once. But we're going to cover it all <coughs> Excuse me, in some kind of order. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in this episode of Goth Girl Hard. I'd like to thank our guest, Dan. Hopefully you had a great time checking out his interview, a little bit about his artwork. And we'd like to thank uh, my new co-host for joining me for this issue. And hopefully she will be back for more exciting episodes of Goth Girl Horror on this crazy and wild slasher journey. And I thank you for having me. You can check her out at? Charcy Lux on my Twitter. And I also have an Instagram, but that's as Charcy87. But I'm in the works of trying to get it switched to Charcy Lux. And you can send us an email, thatradiohorror at gmail.com. I have an email here I'd like to read real quick. Dear Dr. Chris and the Radio Horror Program and all your podcast and radio show that you do, I've enjoyed your show for many years and I've enjoyed your podcast most recently as I didn't know you were doing them. Why are all your co-hosts female? It's very interesting that you have nothing but female co-hosts. 
Is it because you want to give a voice to the female audience out there in the heartlands, or is it something else? Question, question, question. That's how they sign it. I'm not going to read who it's from because I just don't like the way it's implying the very end of it. So That feels like a Josh Whedon question. Like They would always ask him, why do you create strong females? And he's like, I will keep creating strong females when people keep asking me that question. But it's kind of the fact that why not have a female co-host because Kathy Hack, strong female individual, so why not have a strong female individual as your co-host? And it's not just that, but also... Um, and it's not just because of Cassie being a woman, and also that's like something Tim suggested as well, the creator. Uh, <laughs> all the shows. Mel is my co-host on Supernatural. Zeneca is the co-host on uh, the Dead TV podcast, and Katie Glidewell does my reviews with me, which I play on the air once in a while. Um, and uh, Scott Danielson is my co-host of a of a of a uh, of a Vampire Movie Minute podcast. We do. We t- we're on a big break from it right now, but we're going to come back to and do uh, Life Force. And then, of course, Roe does Hammer with me. And one or two of the shows are eventually going to be faded out and ending because I'm starting a huge project coming up very soon, which is going to have, like, multiple people involved um, and multiple voices um, involved in, it's involved in the comic book industry. And that's going to start sometime in 2021. But in the meantime, um, it's to give a voice to women in horror in some kind of unique way so they can have their own opinion and their own. it, it makes the show more diverse. Come back in a couple weeks. We're going to have... a another podcast on the show with us to cover the final of the Devil's Due Press storyline and then we're also going to be doing a couple more one shots before we get to Image and then we're going to have Tim Seabley on the show as well to talk about the unmade hack slash movie so those that should be fun uh, go to, to that one thank you and look to, go to RadioHorror.com for more information and also don't forget to check out the um, don't forget to check out Vlada a Dracula Tale as I mentioned before the song played more information about what me and Ken Hunt are doing with that as that is launching in late October Thank you, everybody. We'll be back in a couple weeks with another episode of Goth Girl Horror. Kathy, Kathy, who are you gonna stop tonight? Let the villains know that she's looking for.